when we laid out the stories, and George said, I want to do something different with the second episode. And everyone went, oh no, <laughs> what does that mean? And he said, I want it to be an episode about nothing. I want it to be droids kind of lost in this nothingness. And I want to have the whole thing be an existential crisis. And I want to do it like Mobius used to do, this old cartoonist, like completely minimalist. And I want it to be completely different than anything we've ever done. So on one hand, everyone was excited. That's different. That's always great. On the other hand, everyone said, well, how do you write 22 minutes about nothing with droids, most of whom can't speak? Something hooked in me that I just thought this would be an enormous challenge. It would be a lot of fun. And everyone else, by the end of the conference, had completely backed away from the arc. And I said, I'll take it. Another way out. Mm-hmm. That's the way out. Well, that's the way we just came. Yeah, but maybe we're traveling around in circles because that's the way out. How do you know? Well, look. Look more closely, you see? Come on. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere, welcome to episode number 156 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this week we are talking about George Lucas's favorite episode of the Clone Wars, the fantastic sunny day in the void. We've just started the Sunny Day in the Void Appreciation Society. <laughs> we'll be sending out newsletters quarterly. To to all the members, we're going to be having meetings with tiny cakes and tea the third Thursday of every month, where we just discuss Sunny Day in the Void. So yeah, welcome to the first meeting. But before we get to all that, there, there's stuff going on with celebration, and it's exciting, and we can talk about it. Celebration, what's up? Well, we got a bunch of what authors and things the other day, and now we're starting to get into the real meat. We're getting some actors and actresses who are going to be there. The whole thing is just like almost 70 something days away, which is just bonkers. If if past celebrations are any indication, news is gonna trickle in until the day of <laughs> we're gonna find out stuff. They're going to keep adding stuff, and stuff is just going to keep getting crazier. I don't know. I'm not ready. I haven't adjusted my sleep schedule yet. I haven't gotten 
orthopedic shoes and like those crazy comfort socks for extra support. I haven't all the stuff I said I was going to do all the crazy old person things. I was like getting ready to, to get my body and my feet ready for celebration. I haven't started anything. We got to, we got to start our training. I got to start doing martial arts at the bottom of a nice cold pool. I got to have Rocky Balboa take me out into the desert and I got to like drag a car behind me on a road. Just punch buckets full of sand as hard as you can. Walk on hot coals. Practice sleeping on, on concrete. I've got to start sleeping on my driveway. <laughs> Your family. Gabe, what are you doing? T- training. Dad, please come back in the house. No. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Who's going to be at Celebration? You got Jonas Sutamo, new Chewbacca. Sam Witwer, voice of Darth Maul. We got Greg Grunberg, Snap Wexley himself who may or may not be back for episode nine. Maybe he'll have a panel. Am I in it? An evening with Greg Grunberg. <laughs> At the end of the panel, JJ lets him know if he's in the movie or not. And we all get, we all get to see it. Greg Proops, who we know and love as Fode, pod racer announcer with that. If, if they give Greg Proops a panel, that could be really, really funny. Well, and it's a good sign. I mean, he is in resistance, but that's our first, First real Phantom Menace 20th anniversary guest, right? Well, no, yeah, because uh, Ayla Sakura is there, right? No, that's she's um, Orly Shoshan Shakti. Shakti! She's there. Ace Freely's favorite Jedi. Is Shakti in Phantom Menace? Nope. Shakti shows up in Attack of the Clones for the first time. Because I think once, once Shakti showed up, she was in all the movies when I remember them. She's in New Hope, she's in Empire. You got Dave Chapman, puppeteer for BB-8, Rio Durant, and Lady Proxima. Ian McElhinney, best I can do. Most people know him from Game of Thrones, but he was also new Dodonna. Around things out, Paul Casey, who we know and love as being Radis and Elo Asti. Pretty much the, the sequel trilogy superstar of superstars. Did you find it interesting that there's no original trilogy people at all announced yet? <laughs> a little bit, but like I was saying, this seems like this is the kind of thing like every two weeks there's going to be another one of these press releases with more people that they get. I'm pretty sure we'll get more. But also original trilogy people are also like really old. <laughs> so maybe they don't want to come to Chicago because it's freezing. I'd have to imagine we're going to get Billy D. Williams I feel like it'd be weird if Mark Hamill wasn't there. Are they going to even say that they're there, though? Like, I want to say at the last celebration, we didn't know that Daisy Ridley and anyone was even there until we were at the panel. And it was like, hey, we're going to bring out this person. We're going to bring out that person. Did they even say any of the cast was going to be there last time? No, I think they only announced people that are going to be doing autographs, which were never autograph people. The people we care about is like, oh, they announced Lauren Peterson is going to be there. <laughs> they announced Hayden Christensen pretty early last time, and that almost made me get an autograph. So we'll see if maybe uh, maybe Hayden will be back. If there is a Phantom Menace 20th anniversary panel, Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor would be a really big deal. Liam Neeson, he'll do anything now. I don't want to jinx it, but Rick McCallum? I don't think anybody cares enough. Really? I don't know. If I could pick anyone to be there, Rick would be towards the top, maybe the top of the list. If if they announced a Rick McCallum panel, you know, like the like the VHS trailer, for those who remember, 
For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it for the very first time. Here's a Rick McCallum panel, and you just sit there and you cry, and you just—he just—he's just up on stage swearing nonstop. It—it it, it would make sense because I'm so uh, caught up in Phantom Menace 20th anniversary that I forget that it's also Star Wars Celebration 20th anniversary. It in that respect, it does make sense because he was such a big part of Celebration Two and Celebration Three. No, he was at Celebration 1, too, also, right? We don't know anything about that, but yeah, he was. Yeah, he should be there just as a reminder of what Celebration's past. Let him do another Rick McCollum spectacular. (laughs) He can just show the footage they showed for Phantom Menace Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith again. Then you have to show new footage. I want to see the the, uh, Yoda Spider-Man trailer again. They say he shouldn't revisit the past, but... I would feel like that's almost like when people describe like when they die and they have like near death experiences and their whole life flashes before them in a moment. I would get nervous. I'd be like, am I actually dying right now? Because I'm reliving the happiest moments of my life with all the Rick McCallum spectaculars. I think I'm dying, but I don't see any memories of my family. It's just Rick McCallum showing me prequel footage. I'm going to step into the light of the digital projector. I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's it's the impossible dream, but, you know, we didn't think we would see Harrison Ford at a celebration ever. And we did. And we didn't think Lucas would be there with John Williams last time. So maybe Rick McCollum will drop from the ceiling on a zip line or something in the middle of one of the panels. You know, and that's the thing with celebration. It's expect the unexpected. Uh, who wants to see a new teaser? <laughs> One person that's not announced yet that we would love there is Mark Lewis Jones, a.k.a. Captain Moden Kennedy. What are we waiting for? Fire on the base! Fire on the base! Fire on the base! Five bloody minutes ago. He's not at Celebration, but he is going to be at the fantastic Star Wars Fan Fun Day on May 6th in the UK. Yeah, anyone in the UK, please go to Family Fun Day for us. Just send us pictures. <laughs> Give Kennedy a hug and tell him we love him. This is this his second time at Fun Day, or did he have to bail out last time? He had to cancel last time, because I think Kennedy mania was too much. And they warned him about the thousands of screaming fans that would be there for Kennedy, and they'd all be shouting five bloody minutes ago, and it was too much. But it's Kennedy mania has chilled out a little bit, and... Like I know we like I said, we don't really mess around with autographs too much. I have a Moondy autograph. I have a uh, Paul Blake Greedo autograph, and that's about it. I only, well only do the best. Yeah, I only have my uh, Jerome Blake Runako autograph. It's really all I need. <laughs> but if Kennedy was there, I don't know. I I would just like to go up and shake his hand and just say thank you for being Kennedy. Yeah, I just want to be candid with you, Kennedy, and you changed my life. There's going to be surprises. Maybe we'll get Hux. Was Hux ever at a celebration? He wasn't, was he? Well, maybe this maybe this is the year Adam Driver will actually show up. Maybe. Get ready. <laughs> Everyone will faint. They'll like spray ammonia from the ceiling to wake everybody back up. <laughs> They'll drive him out in like the the Pope's like bulletproof car kind of thing because the kids will all be throwing fruit at him. 
you killed Han Solo. That's like I still remember the the interview with Billy D way back when he was talking about after Empire came out and he would pick his kids up from school and the kids would yell at him and tell him that you you killed Han. <laughs> well, I still like the idea that it, it's like pro wrestling, and if he just came out still in character, he means nothing to me. People, I have to go brush my hair. Well, I love that, like, Adam Driver t- talks about, like, how in interviews, like, in his apartment building in New York, like, the kids will always see him, like, in the apartment building and on the street and be like, hey, Kylo, what is up? Remember, it's, fi- it's five days this time, so they, maybe they'll wait, like, three days in until everyone's just completely delirious, and then they'll start tr- dropping more more surprises. We're going to be there all five days, recording live from the scene. Hours of just us snoring. Day five might be recorded live from the hospital. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still here, folks. We're, we're doing okay. It was, it was two more days ago. There's a panel tomorrow. It's going to be really good. We might end up. We might end up in the lake. lightsaber from kenner inflation required batteries not included you can pretend you have powers when you switch on kenner's star wars lightsaber ready to feel the force switch on your star wars lightsabers close your eyes and go i got it me too zap you passed the test the force is with you a star wars lightsaber new from kenner balloons not included This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. All right, so last September, while everyone was freaking out about Resistance about to start and the solo was about to come out on Blu-ray and people were talking about Kathleen Kennedy getting a three-year extension as president of Lucasfilm, Kind of under the radar, at Lucasfilm, there was a screening of Clone Wars episodes hosted by Dave Filoni and George Lucas, where George Lucas let everyone in the audience know that one of the episodes that they were watching that day at Lucasfilm, Sunny Day in the Void, was his favorite episode of Clone Wars ever. Why was there just a random screening of this droid arc of Clone Wars at Lucasfilm in mid-September? I don't know. Why not? Those lucky people that got to go. Why is Sunny Day in the Void George Lucas's favorite episode? You know, when I first read that, I was like, huh. But then when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. And especially after doing our THX 1138 episode and going back and watching that movie again, you kind of start to see the similarities it's interesting that of all things, it, the, it, that Clone Wars was kind of the opportunity to kind of go back to, <laughs> to THX land and get young Lucas weird for a little bit. Get that special breed of unhinged George Lucas unplugged. Straight from the beans. <laughs> the unroasted, raw Lucas beans. So from a story by George Lucas, this episode was written by a guy, Brent Friedman who has a pretty good writing history, right? Yeah, he well, he wrote for Clone Wars. He's wrote, written for Rebels. Uh, looks like he wrote some episodes for Star Trek Enterprise. But then the gold star on his uh, resume 
is uh, he co-wrote the wonderful Mortal Kombat Annihilation film, Cinematic Treasure. The dark forces are closing in. The world must be saved. No problem. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, rated PG-13. One of the finest films ever made. Yeah, he's he's got the goods. So supposedly they're planning out this arc of like D Squad and like these droids that go undercover. And Lucas kind of said that the second installment in this four episode arc, he wanted to get kind of weird. He wanted to get kind of out there. And supposedly all the other writers in the room at that moment were kind of like, they've been working with Lucas long enough. They were kind of like, oh no, <laughs> that means we're going to get really, really weird. Well, that was the good thing about Clone Wars, though, that it was a show that every once in a while wasn't afraid to get Star Wars weird, where when you step back and really look at these movies or really think about them and take strip all the other stuff away and just look at it, these movies are really freaking weird. Well, and they, it's even the idea of, hey, we're going to take 3PO and R2 in the desert talking in A New Hope, and we're going to kind of stretch that out to a four-episode 80-minute story arc of pretty much all droids and one alien and one droid that can talk and four other droids who can't talk. And in the middle of that, which is already crazy, we're going to have an episode on a planet that's basically a featureless empty void inspired by Mobius artwork and basically have the droids talking about philosophy for 20 minutes in a, in a Saturday morning kids cartoon. So... They went all out. One of the things that happens in a Star Wars story, or in particular a Clone Wars story, is you know you have these big iconic characters: Anakin, Obi Wan, Yoda, Mace, even Dooku and Palpatine, and now Darth Maul. You have all these characters that that people love to see in big, exciting situations, and. The droid arc was the counterpunch to all of that. How do we have an arc that feels like it's part of this season and not completely out of place? And I think the way we approached that was, well, let's have it be fun, let's have it be droids, but let's have it be something where there are real stakes and that the droids are the best hope the Republic has to stop this from happening. So this arc, even though on the surface it's fun and droids and, and there's some kind of comedic dialogue throughout it. Um, it's meaningful. It's part of the war effort. And so that's how it ended up becoming part of season five and taking its kind of rightful place amongst these much bigger, more mature and darker um, arcs. The episode aired on December 8th, 2012. It was not well received at all when it first came out. It's funny, I went back and I watched like some YouTube videos and I listened to some podcasts of people talking about the episode, like when it was brand new, the reaction was all the same. People all were just like, uh, I don't know about this one. I was kind of just waiting for it to end. <laughs> and there's a lot of great, you know, if you look up on top 10 Clone Wars episodes that you can skip during your rewatch of the series, like Sunny Day in the Void is almost always on Episodes you can skip or not the best episodes, but I don't know. I think it's kind of essential, especially if you're a fan of the Lucas weirdness. It's not out of character for Star Wars. It's, if anything, more Star Wars 
than Star Wars because it's the THX blood in the veins of Star Wars. It's the the mixing of the ridiculous and high concept and just robots. <laughs> it's like everything that makes Star Wars Star Wars in its purest, rawest, empty, white void form. It reminds me a lot of the final episodes, the Yoda arc. I mean, the Yoda arc is a lot more serious than Sunny Day in the Void. But I think everything I've read about that Yoda arc, too, is that Lucas was much more personally hands-on with those, too. But those episodes are a bit more way homers. You're not going to get them to the way home. More head scratchers, more more think piece episodes, you know, with Yoda going and talking to the the force priestesses and all that. And Qui-Gon is the ball of light and the dark Yoda and all that stuff. You know, with Clone Wars, it's like they wouldn't have got to that point in season six if they wouldn't have did what they were doing here in season five. And like, you know, each season built off the previous season. And here's where they're kind of stretching their the wild side of uh, Clone Wars. In the middle of the four episode arc, too, it's like if this episode was all by itself, maybe it would be too much. But as like the middle of this four episode thing, I mean, it all kind of works together. And you get some action in the in the episode that precedes it in the episode afterwards. So it's like, I think if you watch, I mean, and maybe I think that's the advantage of going back now and watching is you can kind of watch all four of them together like it's one little mini movie. And it's maybe a little easier to get through Sunny Day in the Void if you're prone to, to boredom um, because you can kind of immediately see where it's going and you're still kind of uh, riding the adrenaline from the episode before as opposed to like waiting a week seeing this and then waiting another week to see the, the next part. Well, it's a little refresher. Let's go through what happened right before we get to Sunny Day in the Void, the episode right before that. Yeah, so the first episode of the arc is Secret Weapons, where we meet Colonel Gascon, who is a very tiny little frogman, and his squad of secret spy droids, which is kind of what ultimately C-3PO becomes in charge of, right? With his, his uh, at least in the, the comics and stuff, right? Where he's like the spy master for all the droids. But yeah, we get R2-D2 and buddies. So four astromechs, a pit droid named Whack and little Gascon have to infiltrate a separatist ship to get some secret decoder ring. But I don't know. It's fun going back to Clone Wars now. Um, after now being completely done with Rebels and into Resistance, just I'm always amazed that how good Clone Wars was and still holds up like... It was such a well-done show, and I think as much flack as they got for the kind of carved wood, colored-with-crayons art style, going back, it doesn't look dated like a lot of CG stuff can look. Like, it doesn't look like, oh, it's 20-year-old or 10-year-old CG. Like, it, it, it had a style, and the style, I think, still holds up. When I first saw, you know, the Clone Wars movie said many times i was like what is this <laughs> it it holds up really really well so after that first episode and they find these these plans and r2 gets the plans then it kind of leads us right up into sunny day in the void they're all on this ship and on their way like they're they're taking these plans back to the republic i believe on their way back they encounter this big ice storm which it looks exactly like the original Star Tours, which is an awesome reference. And because of this ice storm, the droids try and go out on the side of the ship and try and fix the ship. 
ship gets all destroyed and they have to crash land on this planet. I was really happy going back because it's funny that I vividly remember Sunny Day in the Void, but the episodes before and after, I kind of forgot about a lot what of what happened. And it was neat to see them kind of go back to things that we saw briefly in the prequel movies and kind of revisit them, which I, is kind of a thing that Clone Wars does a lot, but kind of getting the, the introduction to R2-D2 uh, astromech droids sticking to the outside of ships, fixing things, action scene, but getting kind of a even faster, more intense version with all the four droids out there trying to fix the ship inside the while they're in hyperspace. And we see R2-D2 getting his leg rockets. He does. Wait. Yeah, because I, th- I actually thought the same thing as he was like, oh, here's where he gets his rockets. And then I was like, oh, wait, Attack of the Clones already happened. We were wishing for this in Last Jedi. And now J.J. Abrams has the last chance to bring back the rocket legs. Because I'm convinced if if there's a part in Episode Nine and R2 whips out the rocket legs to save somebody or something, that people will start cheering and doing backflips. Hands will drop from the ceiling so people can run a fight round and just high five all the hands hanging from the ceiling, like you know, it's like Kevin Smith tying it into all the movies. So, I maybe we just figured out the actor who's been in these movies before who gave a uh, like career defining scene that brought him to tears was R two D two popping his rockets out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. The jets would come out and the tears would come out of me. So they land on this this crazy planet, and it's pretty much. Like this empty void of space. Like just nothing. Yeah, there isn't even a sun. And that brings us to one of the first major themes in Sunny Day in the Void. The empty void. And it, like we said er- earlier, it, it takes us right back to THX 138, where in that movie, THX is sent to prison. And that prison is basically an empty white void, which... THX world is like super duper crowded with people and stuff and things going on. And especially in the THX special edition, it's like too many people exist in THX world. So for punishment, you go where there's nothing. It's an interesting thing that George Lucas keeps coming back to this idea of like nothingness as like a purgatory, like a prison or a place to like reset because even his movies are usually filled to the brim with stuff. That's like, you know, it's like a criticism that there, you know, it's too much stuff going on in the prequels, man, you know, like, <laughs> but then he keeps going back to this idea of emptiness and nothing. Well, and the idea of a prison without walls that you can be in a prison or feel trapped or feel imprisoned when in the end it's all inside you because there really is no, there's nothing keeping you in there but yourself. And kind of the visual representation of that, of just, there is no wall, but everywhere you look, there's nothing. So it, it feels like there's nowhere to go when really you can go anywhere and do anything. Nothing's holding you back but yourself. It's like Chirrut says in Rogue One, there is more than one sort of prison. And he says that he senses that Cassian takes his wherever he goes. It was meant to be a more philosophical exercise abstract philosophical exercise about being put in a prison, finding yourself in a prison, asking philosophical questions. You know, why am I here? How did I get here? What am I doing here? What is my place in the universe? And then saying, I'm going to walk out of this prison. I'm going to go into the unknown. I'm going to explore the unknown, which is basically what philosophy is. It asks the hard questions of, you know, what are we doing here? 
a lot of the reality in this movie is based on belief systems and the fact that if you believe something to be true, then it is. So if you believe you're in prison, you are. If you believe that's a police officer that's dangerous and strong and can beat you up, then he is. But the reality is just the opposite. Lucas said that this episode, he wanted it to be like an existential crisis, <laughs> like of, for a little frogman and a bunch of droids. And Gascon, when he's freaking out that he can't get out of this void, he has a, a, a real like soul-searching moment where he's talking about life is a void and we search for answers, but there are none. Think about it. Life. Life is a void. We search and search for answers, but there are none. Hope is just an illusion, Whack. Death is the only certainty. Giving up is not in my programming. I am surprised that it is in yours, Colonel. And they keep heading right into the void to try and find the answer on where they are, where they're supposed to go. And it's very, very similar to that same scene in THX. The hologram guy shows up and he's like, well, why don't you just walk out of here? And they just walk right out of their prison without walls. Another way out? Mm-hmm. That's the way out. Well, that's the way we just came. Yeah, but maybe we're traveling around in circles because that's the way out. How do you know? Well, look. Look more closely, you see? Come on. Oh, yeah. It's also... <laughs> Kind of ties in with the THX thing of basically everyone who's trapped in the prison is constantly just arguing about different philosophies and doing a lot of talking and not a lot of action, which is mirrored in the show with Colonel Gascon and Wack kind of arguing about the differences in there. One of them has programming, the other has training, and is one better than the other? And really, in the end, what's the difference between training and programming? And ultimately, neither their training or their programming is what gets them out of the prison. It's following the birds who just go by instinct, which is kind of a Jedi lesson. And follow your instincts and don't get caught up on the specifics of your philosophy. When even the programming, you think of that and you think about what Lucas was saying about the Jedi in the prequels and kind of what they're talking about in the sequel films with the First Order. They're trained from birth, the strict rules of the Jedi being part of their their downfall, the training of the Empire, and, and it echoes in, you know, so much in the sequel trilogy too where so many people even thought, well, Rey has to be trained and all these things that these rules they thought that these films had to go by. And it's like, well, no, she doesn't. She doesn't need to be trained, you know? She's following her instincts, and her instincts are right in most cases, at least so far of what we've seen, which is ultimately kind of the Jedi way of feel the Force, follow the Force, don't get hung up on the details. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the Force be with you. Yeah, and then, like you were saying, Gascon eventually realizes that he needs to change the way he sees things, and he needs to go against his training and programming. And suddenly, yeah, the flock of desert birds show up, and he's like talking about how these desert birds act purely on instinct, and we need to follow them. They know the right way. But also, that also kind of speaks to that the desert birds show up completely randomly and offer the solution. 
And it, that also remind me of THX 1138, how the hologram guy comes out completely randomly. And he's the one that offers the solution of just walking right out of the prison. But also you think of the Star Wars movies and the random bit of fate happening over and over and over again. Things are supposed to go a certain way. Here's the way things are, but this is not going to go the way you think because here's some random element coming in and messing everything up. Again, you think of the sequel trilogy. Maybe bring that up so much because it's just on our minds so much, but you think of this the Skywalker dynasty and Snoke and how he assumed you know Kylo's enemy was Luke, but then along randomly comes... Ray, who's not related to anyone, and she throws a wrench in like these whole plans for the future of the Force, you know? <laughs> well, it's kind of the whole thing of you can train and practice, and but if you can't react to fate or randomness or take advantage of luck, it's like the difference between success and failure sometimes isn't how prepared you are. It's just taking advantage of the curveballs that get thrown at you. Like if you can roll with the punches, you can be successful. But if you're, if there's a, only one path to success and something gets in the way of that path, then you're kind of, you're stuck, which kind of what happens to Snoke. He didn't foresee every outcome and he ended up cut in half because he couldn't adapt to the, to Kylo's changing attitudes. <laughs> you think you can turn him <laughs> pathetic child. I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see his mind. I see his every intent. Yes. I see him turning the lightsaber to strike true. And now, foolish child, he ignites it and kills his true enemy. It's so interesting going back to Sunny Day in the Void. The whole first half of the episode is kind of like, you know, you get this thing in space with the ice storm, you get the droids on the ship. But then kind of the last 15 minutes or so is all of these core Star Wars George Lucas ideas just all crammed in there with a little frogman and a bunch of droids. It's also neat, too, because I think... That there is so much just of all Star Wars packed in this episode, too, because also with the relationship of of Wack and Colonel Gascon is kind of the whole idea of this character, Wack, who at the beginning is really kind of obnoxious and annoying. And over the course of the four episodes, kind of growing a little bit and becoming, by the end, maybe a character that you now like and who has kind of, you kind of, I guess, learn their worth and that they are more than what they initially appeared to be, which you could say he's kind of like a little bit like a Jar Jar or even like with Ahsoka where at the beginning you're like, this character is kind of annoying. Well, I don't know how I feel about this. And then, you know, by the end of Clone Wars, it's everyone's favorite character. And uh, it was kind of neat to see that with Wack and just this kind of condensed thing that I forgot how annoying he was until I watched the first episode again. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that guy. And again, by the end, it was like, oh, I kind of forgot how much I like him now. So, yeah, it's neat how it's it's just it's like a droid high school play version of everything. All the themes of Star Wars (laughs) kind of in one little condensed form. (laughs) This is our way 
out of the void! You have lost your mind, Colonel! No! This is our only hope! We've got to stop following my training or your programming and follow the bird's instincts! Grab hold! Like this? It's then after this episode, they go on and they they go into this town they find and they meet Gregor, which I totally forgot that in the third episode, this is where Gregor comes in. Yeah, which was neat to go back because it's like, oh, yeah, there's Gregor. And now, you know, all these years later, he's still around in Rebels, which was pretty cool. And he had his beard way back then. And then the last episode of the arc, they go into a Republic, uh, big Republic ship, and there's Anakin, and there's Tarkin, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And like you were saying, it's a great four-episode arc, and if you watch it all the way straight through, Sunny Day in the Void doesn't seem quite as odd. But then, when we were getting ready to do this episode, at first I just watched Sunny Day in the Void by itself, and I think there's a certain magic to just doing that. Like, you, you, if you watch the whole arc, it's fantastic. But I really recommend just watching Sunny Day in the Void by itself and just treating it as that 22-minute visit into George Lucas's brain. It's a good point because now that I think about it, too, it is set up in a way that other than not necessarily knowing what the little decoder ring thing is, with it just starting with them kind of crashing, that's a reasonable start to a story. And, and it does have like a happy ending that they find civilization and it does kind of work as its own thing because you don't, it's not like you've, they, you don't fee- see Gregor till the next episode. So it's not like, well, who's that guy they just found, right? It's like, yeah, it is kind of a self-contained little, little tone poem. Just a little slice of weirdness and of just all that Star Wars juju that we love, you know, just the, the heavy thoughts just coming nonstop. And like we said, too, all delivered by a frogman and a bunch of droids. It's kind of Star Wars 101 in 22 minutes. And it makes total sense why George Lucas said it was his favorite episode and why he just randomly showed up at Lucasfilm in the middle of September last year and was just like, you know what I want to do? I want to play that the Sunny Day and Void episode. Give me Filoni on stage. Oh. God, I wish StarWars.com would release a video of that, but they probably didn't record it. It's too hardcore. Well, it's almost like before Force Awakens came out and whoever made that silly J.J. Abrams, here's the rules of Star Wars or whatever. It's like rule number one, and they just play Sunny Day in the Void. Rule number two, and they just play Sunny Day in the Void again. <laughs> just watch Sunny Day in the Void four times and you can you know what Star Wars is about. Go back and watch it. It's still on Netflix. Who, who knows if... Probably once the Disney Plus thing comes on, it might might move over there. So we're never not going to be able to watch Clone Wars whenever we want, which is a beautiful thing. Take 22 minutes out of your day or out of your night when you got some time and revisit Sunny Day in the Void if you haven't lately, because it's it's that straight straight Lucas. It's the it's the maple syrup straight out of the tree, just going right in the bucket. Yes, they slam that tap into the tree and turn the spout on and boiled it and a bucket and whatever you do to get syrup because it's super super sweet and pour it on your waffles well i'm on the side that says you should treat people decently and that yeah you can argue about whatever you want to argue about but we're all in this boat together everybody's in it together and we're gonna all sink or swim together and we haven't been doing a very good job over the last ten thousand years all of my movies are about one thing 
which is the fact that the only prison you're in is the prison of your mind. And if you decide to open the door and get out, you can. There's nothing stopping you. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. All right, iTunes reviews. You leave one, you say something nice about the show, and we'll read it on a show. And now we've got a bunch to read. What's our first one? Our first one is Best Star Wars Podcast by B. Rowe Jr. And B. Rowe Jr. says, I would fly through an asteroid field and into a giant worm's mouth to listen to this podcast. Keep up the great work. All right, thank you, B. Rowe Jr. This is no cave. All right. I could go on. I, I'm here all night. Was that John Williams music or like the Lawrence Welk show or something? <laughs> a, little, a little bit of both. And now let's go into the John Williams from the hit movie, The Empire Strikes Back. Here's Bobby and Sissy dancing to leaving the, the space worm. Take it away, Bobby and Sissy. All right. This next one is from If a Podcast Was a Person. Ooh, by Ryan Laham. This one would be my best friend with all the voices and impersonations and all around buffoonery. This show is just what the Star Wars fandom needs. Also love the interjections of music, commercials, interviews, and all that jazz. You guys keep me laughing. Have a terrific day. Well, you too, Ryan Laham. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think anyone's called us out on buffoonery yet but uh it's the first time for anything extremely accurate though <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not incorrect <laughs> i don't know if you just heard that lawrence welk thing <laughs> <sighs> all right what do we have next next we have funniest podcast in any galaxy by funniest podcast in any galaxy easy to remember yes I've loved Star Wars my whole life, but still learn useless Star Wars trivia stuff with every episode of Blast Points. Jason and Gabe are hilarious, and their enthusiasm make me appreciate some of the parts of Star Wars that I usually roll my eyes at. Example, Master Code Breaker. Hmm. 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 I save every episode to listen with my wife and son on the way to hockey practice, and we all love it. You will, too. It's fantastic. Thank you. Funniest podcast in any galaxy. And, you know, if, if we're helping you appreciate Master Codebreaker, then we're, we're doing our job of buffoonery right. <laughs> That's another one. Would it be crazy for him to be at Celebration? Oh. He's a big star. He's in, like, all kinds of movies and dating all kinds of people. He's not going to – he's too – he's got probably got, like, too many dates that week. Cocktail parties. He's going to fly all the way to Chicago. But, you know, you never know. Maybe they'll they'll uh, get the the piano on stage and he can do the uh, the cutscene of his musical number. 
that'll be uh, instead of pulling the curtains away to reveal John Williams, they'll pull the curtains away to reveal Master <laughs> Codebreaker. Uh, and Lovey is there. Yeah. All right. This last one is from Igor Bosnia and is titled For You Guys from Star Wars Fan. And Igor writes, these guys are engaging, witty, and accessible. It's awesome to know that there are people out there like myself who love to debate and talk Star Wars. Keep it up, fellas. May the Force be with you always. All right. Well, thank you, Igor Bosnia. Thank you. Thank you again, Funniest Podcast in the Galaxy, Ryan Laham and B-Row Jr. And you should leave us a review on the fantastic iTunes. Go over there, write a little something. Like we said, we'll read yours on another upcoming show. Thank Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Check us out on blastpointspodcast.com. Use the Forks is back. We got a new recipe. Darthfield is there. We got, don't forget, Fridays now. We have Force Back Friday where we'll highlight some of our favorite back episodes. Then check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Sign up for the Facebook Blast Point Super Chill Group, where it's Blast Points 24-7. And now we're on Patreon. If you like the show, you want to support the show, and you want to get some extra bits, feel free to sign up on Patreon. And thank you so much to everyone who has already joined Patreon. We'll have a new episode for you people on February 1st. It looks like we're going to shoot for new Patreon stuff on the 1st and 15th of each month. So hopefully we can stick to that. So stuff to look forward to. And next week, it's the return of Phantom Menace year. Ooh, month two. It's going fast before we know it. It's going to be over. We'll have to wait 20 more years. Something to look forward to for next week. Phantom Menace year coming back. As for this week in episode 156, that's about all we got. Sunny Day in the Void. Go back and watch it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Go on a date and just say, I'm just kidding. We're just going to go back to my house and watch Sunny Day in the Void. You'll get married later. Trust us. Works every time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
something out there. Show me a sign. <laughs> Glimmer of hope. <laughs> I do not know who he is talking to. Maybe whoever programmed him. May the force be with all of you.